Taylor Swift, a practicing witch, working for the principalities of darkness? Absolutely. Oh, Miss Swift, who I once adored. Look what you made me do. I'm Angela Yucci. This is Heaven and Healing Podcast. Welcome back to part two of Short Christians Listen to Taylor Swift. This is Heaven and Healing Podcast. I'm Angela Yucci. If you have not listened to part one of this series, you have to go back and do that before you dive into this one. Otherwise, you're not going to have the proper context to fully comprehend everything that's being discussed. So go listen to that first. Um... Also, I reiterated this a bunch of times with the first part of this series. If you have not yet listened to or watched my episode on the music industry is satanic, I highly recommend you have that in your back pocket as well, not just for um, the precursor of this series, but just because it's really great information. Um, So in part one of this series, I shared my Swifton to Christian testimony. Please laugh. Um, I compared her lyrics to scripture. I highlighted her blatant rebellion, aka witchcraft, against God and showcased the verifiable evidence of mind control in the government and entertainment um, industry and how that mind control is used as a way for us to literally grant legal rights to the demonic over us. So now here we are in part two where I'm going to continue testing Taylor's lyrics to the word um, because even if you want to roll your eyes at all the other information that you might consider conspiratorial or reach or whatever, what you can't do is what you can do is deny God's word. So that brings me to the fact that I'm also going to expand on the witchcraft that I continued to mention throughout part one. I'm going to talk more about demons and the assignment Taylor is being used for by the principalities of darkness in this ongoing spiritual war that Ephesians 6 talks about. And again, I will say, just like I did in part one, if you are listening to this episode, uh, might be a lot better for you to actually watch this one because I am using visuals. So take it or leave it. Toward the end of part one, I started talking about the overt darkness of the Taylor Swift Reputation album. So we're just going to dive right in, pick up where we left off and go from there. Just wasting no time at all because I know this has all been a lot. Um, So this album dropped Reputation after the phone call controversy with Taylor Swift, Kanye and Kim, which... The TLDR version, if you don't know already, is that um, basically... Kanye asked Taylor's permission to move forward with some lewd lyrics about her on a song that he wanted to put out, and Taylor agreed to it, thinking it was funny. Then later she lied and said she had no idea, blah, 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 Hollywood drama, blah, blah, blah. But it was like the first time that her, like, good little heartbreak country girl, you know, do no wrong image had sort of been shattered, and she ran with it. Uh, Kim called her a snake. And Taylor adopted this serpent image as her identity moving forward to the point where she literally had 
a 40-foot serpent accompanying her on the stage during the reputation tour. And I'm going to put that right here. Um, You know, but Christians don't see the blatant meaning behind that. Okay, then. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Um, This whole Kim, Kanye, Taylor Swift drama... I do think this was all a major publicity stunt and a part of the programming agenda that I talked a lot about in part one, and that it was time for Taylor to rebrand as the, quote, bad girl, quite literally just like everyone else in the industry eventually does. When the industry, you know, it comes to a point with all these artists, we see it clearly, where the industry moves the artist from the subliminal to the overt because by that point, the audience has demonically been so spellbound and will just continue to move forward in support of these artists. And they just don't notice, right? They just don't notice. Um, And not only that, here's the key, not only will they continue supporting the artist, but they will conform to the image of these artists as well. Right? Think Ariana, think Lana Del Rey, think Billie Eilish, think Miley Cyrus, think Halsey, think Rihanna, even men, right? Harry Styles, Sam Smith, like quite literally all of them had more of like a soft, fun, normal, I'm just going to say it, normal image when they first came onto the scene. And over time, over time just had this hard drop of darkness or edginess or in the boys' case, flamboyance and weirdness but um yeah so I want you to just kind of think back to your relationship with whatever artist it may have been like for me it was Taylor as I mentioned that we kind of conformed to their image not only do we support this like rebranding thing that they all go through but we kind of conform to that image too I want you to think back to whatever artist it was for you and I want you to think about your life and the things that you were doing, the choices that you were making, the thoughts that you were having, the the fantasies that you were entertaining, or perhaps even the, the actual sin itself that you were entertaining as these celebrities went through their kind of dark transformation. What kind of dark transformation did you go to or go through? Because there's no coincidence there. Remember all the talk about MK Ultra in episode one, right? How the victims respond to the handlers. And of course, you know, the whole demonic thing, demonization thing. Um, there's something to be said there for sure. It's of the artist and you. And with Taylor Swift in particular, at the point of look what you made me do, she is When this came out, she had already been in the scene for years and years and years. She's got the world under her thumb, millions of girls just completely at her whim. And at the time, I was one of them, as we know by now. So as her song, you know, as her song Ready For It from that album goes, let the games begin, right? It's time for Taylor to bring in the demonic agenda full force. Like this was her anointed time to do so you know, on the demonic assignment. And we don't even need to look much further than the title of the single that birthed the reputation era. Look what you made me do. Think about the name. Look what you made me do. Industry handlers, who we already know worship Satan, own Taylor Swift. And they make her do whatever is needed to push their agenda. 
They do this to all of them. And this music video, Look What You Made Me Do, symbolically describes what happens to stars who get caught up in the higher levels of the occult entertainment industry. Although they are insanely successful, they also become slaves to the industry and the principalities behind the industry with no true life of their own. Okay, their sound, their image, and even their personality are shaped at will by those behind the scenes. The video doesn't only portray Swift as a slave of the industry, okay? It also announces that she has paradoxically, quote, ascended, very new age term or occultist term. She has paradoxically ascended to the status of high priestess. And I'm going to show those images side by side, the high priestess, tarot card and taylor swift in the music videos just so you can see what i'm talking about um and with look what you made me do she she has she's officially just been crowned that role right she is the high priestess of the music industry and if you remember this tarot card if you were ever into tarot at all at all and praise god if you weren't but you may remember that the high priestess card is all about like divinity divinity living inside of you relying on your intuition, having everything you need within, and all of those demonic, Gnostic, occultist lies that Satan uses to keep us from God, right? Uh, the tarot card also represents how things are, quote, not always what they seem, which, listen, is so key with this song in particular um, and the music video because the whole narrative surrounding the song you know, the Hollywood story that was going around, the gossip. It was all about the drama between her and her, quote, Hollywood foes. But that's not the truth of it, right? Things are not what they seem. So it's quite literally not what it seems to be to the blind eye. And we know from scripture that Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. Um, and I mean, let's be real, right? About this song and the video, they are not only the actual epitome of everything mk ultra and monarch programming embodies it's not only that but it's simultaneously such a mockery of jesus i mean the image of taylor being buried and literally rising from the grave the lyric honey i rose up from the dead i do it all the time and of course the infamous bone chilling part of the song where she says sorry the old taylor can't come to the phone right now why oh because she's dead Ugh, still gives me chills as we know right being christians there is only one that conquered the grave there's only one that conquered the grave and the only one who has the power to resurrect anyone from their old self is christ Romans 6, 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 1 Corinthians 6, 14, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So this song literally spits in the face of everything the Bible says. Not unlike every other song that she has, but look what you made me do is incredibly demonic and it is at the hand of the demonic, and it all fits right in with the monarch programming that we talked about in the last episode of creating a new persona, of burying the old and becoming a new creation. Sounds familiar, right? Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in, is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Um, and so with that being said, I, I just, I really pray that you're getting it. And if you're in the second episode by now, you're probably getting it. But I just, I really pray that you're getting it. And look, I can keep going on, as we all know. But for the sake of time, I'm going to really try and talk about the most prominent aspects of her music in this this video. But for your own sake, uh, to be as wise as a serpent, as scripture says, you can find more of this on VigilantCitizen.com. It's a website I have been following for years, even before I was saved, because I was always really into studying the symbolism in the industry and the occult and Freemasonry and all these demonic things that it's so funny. Like I always knew that the demonic had such a stronghold over the culture, but I never believed in the Bible, even though it confirms everything the Bible says to be true. But anyway, Vigilant Citizen has so many extensive articles on Swift, Madonna, Marilyn Monroe, so many more people like that. Um, so I highly recommend looking into that as they all tie in together under the same programming, ultimately, and really like the same demonic influences, the same, the same ancient deities, and ultimately the same master, which is Satan. Um, I'm actually going to leave their in-depth analysis of this song in the show notes in the show notes, so that you can really get the full embodiment because there's so much there from the cheetah that's in the video to Taylor being in the birdcage to her dominatrix outfit and collar. But I mean, this song alone, this music video, the imagery, the symbolism behind it, it's like an entire episode in and of itself. So I'm, that brings me back to like, I could truly write a book on this. Uh, and still not have covered it all. <laughs> anyway, speaking of being wise as a serpent, before I move on from the Look What You Made Me Do song, I have to talk about the snakes. Because, like I said, she kind of took this image of the snake and she just ran with it. And so we all know, <laughs> as Christians, who the serpent is in Scripture obviously, the one who tempted Eve in the garden to eat the forbidden fruit, which cursed all of humanity with sin. Thank you, Eve. But, oh, you know, coincidentally, I'm sure, total coincidence, total coincidence, the serpent is what we see on all of Taylor's clothes, in her music videos, her jewelry, her stage performances, like I mentioned before. And, uh, how she sings even in this album, her most recent one, rather, uh, this single anti-hero, right? When she goes, she like hisses in the song. She says, everybody agrees, everybody agrees. Like, and her voice gets really like draw, like agrees. Like she just, she's like channeling that serpent spirit, um, that python spirit that is nothing less than demonic. From reputation onward, the serpent just became a part of who Taylor is. I even saw this image, and I will put the clip right here, of a serpent, and I believe this is from the Eras tour, and whether or not it is is irrelevant, it still exists, of a serpent on the, on the stage that it slithers into the crowd. I mean, guys, demonization is real. It's so real. Anyway, um, the snake thing with Taylor, it ties back into the high priestess and goddess image. So this is, this is crazy, right? Look at the sculpture here, side by side, of the goddess Aphrodite. 
And then look at this picture of Taylor Swift. <sighs> now, I know if you're watching, you're like, whoa. But if you're listening, so this, this, um, this sculpture of Aphrodite, there are literal snakes wrapped around her legs and arms, just like the outfit Taylor is wearing. It's crazy. So this is her right now during her Eras tour that is happening right now where snakes are quite literally woven all over her body. And of course she's sporting this fit when she sings the songs from the Reputation era, you know, including Look What You Made Me Do. Um, so the programming of both Taylor and of you, the fan, it just perpetuates and perpetuates and perpetuates. And it's just like I talked about in the first episode how we give consent for the spirits at work behind this stuff to have access to us. We give it that legal right by, by saying yes. We give it the legal right by saying yes. And the way that they work, the way that the demons work, and the way that the people that are demonized and the higher-ups of this industry that want to that inflict mind control... The way that this all works is that they start subliminally, they start subliminally, they start small, and it's just a buildup over time so that you just say yes over and over and over to the point where you're so desensitized you don't even notice how extreme it is, and you're already saying yes, and so you keep saying yes, they, they get you addicted to it, they get you hooked on it, they demonize you, they, they, they wrap you in this, in this spiritual bondage, right? They literally wrap you in spiritual bondage. Or they give you the links, rather, to make your own chain to the spiritual bondage. And it just perpetuates, it perpetuates, it perpetuates. And so upon my research of the Aphrodite connection, the Minonan snake goddess kept coming up. And my jaw literally dropped when I saw this image of the goddess with, look at this, a tiny cat on her head. If you know anything about Taylor Swift, you know that Taylor Swift has literally made cats a part of her brand. And look, before anyone's like, oh, come on, it's a cat. Look, to reiterate what I said in the first part about how truly not everything is a symbol, I do want to say that again. I do want to acknowledge it. You know, like your neighbor who loves cats is not, is likely, I'll say likely, I don't know her, but your neighbor next door who loves cats is likely not channeling demonic ancient goddesses in her daily life, okay? I mean, I love my cats, <laughs> right? I, I have two. I'm not, I'm not channeling ancient demonic cat goddesses, you know, people that love cats aren't channeling ancient demonic cat goddesses. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, my point in mentioning this image of the snake goddess is just to highlight what I genuinely believe to be true in the cases of the principalities in particular, which is much different from the regular Joe Schmo. It's much different from you and I, right? It's these, it's the higher ups. It's, it's the, it's just like I said in the first episode, it's the, the ones who rule, the ones who rule the land. We know from scripture that Satan is the God of this age, that he is the prince of the air, that he is the prince of the world, right? He offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world when he tempted him and Jesus refused. But what Jesus didn't do is deny that it was Satan's to give. And so we have to look at these rulers. We have to look at the people on the top and recognize that they are serving that master Satan. They are serving that master Satan. And so in this case, right, there are no coincidences. This is much different than the Joe Schmo down the street who just like loves cats, right? 
Um, there are no coincidences. There are no coincidences. And we know that from scripture. We know from scripture that God does nothing by chance or accident. And so since Satan can only orchestrate corrupted copies of what God does, there's no way Satan does anything by chance or accident either. All right. So back to the Look What You Made Me Do music video itself. Through, through the strong imagery displayed in the video, the video depicts Taylor Swift ascending ranks into or inside a sinister system bent on control and exploitation. Control and exploitation because what's Satan's goal to steal, kill, and destroy? And stars like Swift are at the mercy of the people and the demons that control them. And when they are ordered to do something, whether it is constructive or self-destructive, they do it or they break down. And when they do it, all they can say is, look what you made me do. Right? And yes, this can be, I know I keep talking about demons and you can probably tell at this point that my theology has changed a little over the past couple months. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. It's a good thing that I humbled myself before the Lord and allowed him to change my mind. But, you know, in the case of demonization here, like I have repeated throughout the series, it's all interwoven. It's all one and the same. Remember Ephesians 2 as the thesis of this Taylor Swift series, right? We have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And thus the principalities of darkness that the devil is master of. And so when you hear the lyrics, look what you made me do through the lens of demonization by both her handlers and the principalities of darkness, it honestly makes so much more sense than the bogus narrative that it's about her foes in the music industry. Now, lyrically, her singing, I don't like your kingdom keys. They once belonged to me. She's talking about an actual kingdom where scripture itself confirms that there are two kingdoms, a dominion of darkness in Colossians 1, in fact. And then Taylor sings, I don't like how you laugh when you lie. You said the gun was mine. Satan is the father of lies, John 8, 44. She sings, I'll be the actress starring in your bad dreams, telling on herself that she's an actress that speaks for itself. And one more here. She says, I've got a list of names and yours is in red, underlined. So this one, as I caught just... Um, as a literal mockery of the words in red, literally the words spoken by Christ in scripture. Come on, y'all. I mean, am I crazy? Am I reaching? Or is this just Second Peter where it says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge? Now, in light of all of this, I want to highlight this verse as well in 2 Timothy where it reads, And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So in addition to repentance, in addition to repentance, which is the most important aspect of our faith in Christ, just in case anyone needs me to personally clarify my stance on that, Another goal for Timothy, in addition to repentance, 
another goal Timothy served. And similarly, um, those I serve, my goal, all of you, was and is to become aware enough of the devil's influence to break free. This verse by 2 Timothy indicates that the devil's attacks are often directed toward the mind. An unbeliever has no spiritual power over the devil and is therefore captive to him. He or she has no other option than to follow the devil's tricks unless, as Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9 say, God's grace intervenes. Unless God's grace intervenes. And so you see the people in this industry are captive to their handlers. They are captive to the devil. And yes, they are captive to spirits of mind control. The scripture says the spirit at work in those of disobedience. Scripture calls us to be sober-minded, which indicates that the mind can be overcome with drunkenness, namely influence or intoxication. And I don't necessarily mean alcohol here. I mean of those principalities of darkness. You can be overcome with the drunkenness and the intoxication and influence of the principalities of darkness. Beloved, you have no business listening to Taylor Swift or any of this popular secular mainstream music. 1 Corinthians 10:21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Indulging in this music, indulging in Taylor Swift is most certainly drinking from the cup of demons. And what happens when you drink from the cup of demons? You compromise your sobriety in the Lord. It comes back to the legal rights of the demonic that we have discussed in this series. When you drink from the cup of demons, you are giving these demons, you are giving these principalities of darkness a legal right to make you intoxicated with that. You are giving them the right. Just as Jesus, like we talked about in the last episode, knocks on the door. When you open the door and let him in, you receive him. He does not infringe on your free will. The demons will not infringe on your free will. They will take advantage of your free will and tempt you and lead you and play mind games with you. So that you do consent, so that you do drink from the cup of demons and you become intoxicated with the, with the principalities of darkness. Something else I hope you become actually intoxicated with is the... I don't have a good transition for this. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. It's available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Please give it a five-star rating and written review on whatever platform you listen to. It really, really helps get this into more people's eyes and ears. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. It's super important. I know that I get into this a lot accidentally where I will like listen to people on YouTube, but then I don't actually have a subscription to the channel. So please remember to subscribe to Heaven and Healing Podcast. If you haven't already done so, click the bell so that you are notified for future episodes and leave some love in the comment section because it helps boost the algorithm, right? 
Also, be sure to share this episode with a friend. Post it on Instagram. Tag me in your story so that I can see it. I'm on Instagram at Angela Marie Ucci. And I would just love to personally thank you for listening. So we'll talk there. Now, aside from Look What You Made Me Do, some other songs on Reputation, like Dress, for instance, that song is all about having sex with her partner. That the purpose of her dress was so she could take it off. And of course, this is sex that defiles the marriage bed because it's premarital fornication. In the song, she quite literally, if you haven't heard before, there's no need to listen to it, but she quite literally makes sounds that sound like her having an orgasm. And I'm sorry to be so crass, but it's true. It's a very classy, uh, very classy song on her end. I'm sure her parents are proud. I'm so glad that people are taking their teenagers to this concert. Anyway, in Ready For It, she also sounds like she's having an orgasm at one point. So that's really nice. And in Ready For It, she's also singing about premarital sex and fantasy. So here's what the Bible says in contrast to the messaging of these songs that Christians love to listen to. Um, it says, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do not who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sounded literally, it's so sad. It like sounds like a biography of Taylor Swift, all those things just described there. So sticking here for a moment, let's go back to what I keep saying, that there are three enemies of the Christian as verified by Ephesians, and that is namely the world, the flesh, and the demonic. So the world tempts the flesh and the demonic influences the flesh. I'm going to say that again. The world tempts the flesh and the demonic influences the flesh. So in a roundabout way, this point brings us back to our earlier inquiry of Aphrodite and the snake goddess. Do not forget about them. Ancient goddesses, which by the way are demons, ancient goddesses of sexual immorality are what these two are, Aphrodite and the snake goddess. It's all unbridled lust, right? And in the Bible, this deity is called Ashtoreth. Let's look at that in 1 Kings 11. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite. The women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these women in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God and was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. The people of Israel... 
Oh, this one is from Judges 10.6. I'm sorry. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So Ashtoreth seduced Israel away from God, and she is now seducing America away from God. Interesting choice that Taylor coined herself as Miss Americana in that case. Hmm? This demonic goddess, whatever name you give her, Aphrodite, Ashtoreth, doesn't matter. She is seducing America away from God through the realm of sexual immorality and enchanting songs like dress, do it well. Now, author and Bible scholar Jonathan Kahn talk about how as we turn away from God, unclean spirits have entered the culture. Think back to the first part of the series when we discussed Matthew 12 about how an unclean spirit always brings back seven more spirits even worse than before, right? And Khan calls this the enchantress, by the way. How funny is it, speaking of the enchantress, that Taylor Swift literally has a song called Enchanted and once sold a perfume called Enchanted. Not funny in a ha-ha way, but in a, oh, wow, there's no way this stuff could all possibly be one big coincidence sort of way. Um, anyway, regarding the enchantress, Khan talks about how in ancient times the goddess sexualized the pagan culture, as we just saw in scripture, she sexualized the pagan culture. Sex was in everything. So now this same goddess has begun sexualizing American culture, right? So the demonic assignment here is to clearly take a Christian nation, America, namely, and by using sexuality, turn it into a pagan one, which, as you can see by the world around you, seems to be working really well. Ecclesiastes says that there is nothing new under the sun, okay? This is our, this is an ancient pagan morality permeating through our shows, through our government, our policies, our schools, our fashion, our music. So see, it really does all coincide. MKUltra, Satan, rebellion against God, demonic infiltration, demonization, all of it, it all coincides. Because when you break it all down with the very simple context that Satan's number one goal, according to the Bible, is to steal, kill, and destroy, it makes sense why they would have wanted to program someone like Taylor Swift in the first place and why these ancient principalities of darkness, which is just a more eloquent way of saying demons, would use her to turn the culture away from God. And when you couple that with the legal rights we give the demonic in order to have access to us with all this stuff that we consent to constantly, Taylor's constant perpetuation of rebellion against God is her way of forming that covenant with darkness. Because 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so no, beloved, it's not a stretch for me to call Taylor a witch. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That said, let's continue looking at her lyrics promoting such rebellion. 
From the same album reputation, there is I Did Something Bad. So she sings, they say I did something bad, then why does it feel so good? Essentially just expressing how pleasure is derived from sinning. Great. First Timothy 5, 6. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Wow, that is convicting, huh? So Gorgeous is a song about infidelity, and it's another one that I used to listen to while I fantasized about that guy I mentioned in the part one of the series, uh, my twin flame, while being in a relationship. And I'll just say this, right? There's no way I'm the only woman that did and or does this. Remember that the goal of Ashereth, of any of the pagan deities, any of those demons, is to turn us away from God. No better way to do that than to get us stuck up all in our feelings where we are in the fantasy of sin, which will eventually just lead us into the temptation of sin. That's why the Lord says deliver us. It says the Lord's prayer, deliver us from evil. So the last one I'll touch on from this album before moving on now, just to highlight beyond the subject of sex is this is why we can't have nice things. It's another one of Taylor's infamous revenge hits where she sings, And here's to you, because forgiveness is a nice thing to do. Then she proceeds to maniacally cackle and say, I can't even say that with a straight face. Meaning she is literally laughing at the concept of forgiving someone and would rather sing and dance about unforgiveness and revenge and self-righteousness than to just forgive as the Bible instructs us to. Proverbs 16, 18 says about her pride, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Psalms 101 verse 5, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Imagine what he does to his neighbor who slanders in public. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. So now, but Angela, what if I listen to the albums before Reputation? Is, is that okay? You mean, you mean songs like Blank Space? You mean, you mean songs like Blank Space from, from 1989? When she sings, I can show you incredible things, magic, madness, heaven, sin? Literally describing sin as incredible. Or from that same album, um, 1989, where she sings about having bad blood and rejoices again in unforgiveness. Despite that, Matthew 6 says, if you don't forgive your brothers, you will not be forgiven by your father in heaven. Or, or how about the red album? And don't even get me started on the symbolism with that color and the meaning. With songs like Holy Ground where she describes a New York sidewalk she stood with a lover as holy ground, despite that biblically speaking, as we see in Exodus, Joshua, and Acts, only the Lord ordains what ground is holy. And remember that scripture about death and life being in the power of the tongue. These are not just words. You are singing along to these songs, blaspheming the Lord, whether it be on accident or not. Okay? How about the song State of Grace from Red, where she describes premarital sex with her wild and brave lover as transformative, leaving her in a state of grace. Is that okay? You know, we know from the Bible there's only one who can transform us with our grace. All this play with like the religious, the religious undertones, it's no accident, y'all. There's no, there's no coincidence there. 
We can even go back further, the Speak Now album, where she glorifies stealing a woman's husband from her at his wedding. That's literally the album, the songs, um, that's the this main song, Speak Now, and it's also the name of the album. Speak Now, you know, like when they say Speak Now or Forever, Hold Your Peace, that's the, that's the whole meaning behind the song. Um, and there's also another song on there, how she sings about how there's nothing better than revenge. I mean, like, you just, you can't justify this. You can't justify... Your, your addiction to her. You can't call yourself a casual Taylor Swift listener any more than you can call yourself a casual sinner. It just, it just doesn't work. It's oil and water. A Christian indulgent in secular music is oil and water. And see, all this subtle stuff, all this subtle stuff that builds up as lofty strongholds in your mind, like 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about. That's what it does over time. And it's similarly, it's the second Corinthians eleven fourteen, where Satan masquerades as an angel of light, right? How an artist like Taylor who comes onto the scene seemingly so innocent and pure can over time become the fierce goddess that empowers you to quote from her song, F the patriarchy. It's all the subtle stuff from her early work that makes you desensitized to the overt extremity in her new stuff. Because see, there's no longer a need to be subliminal. Once you have granted permission to the principalities of darkness as a legal right to you, there's no need for it to be subliminal anymore because you've already given it the permission. And of course, this all goes back to, again, Proverbs 18, death and life being in the power of the words. There has literally been a Taylor, uh, Taylor Swift program from the release of her first album, Underway. And young women are the targets. Why? Because there is a link between man and child. And that is woman. That is woman. As Satan corrupts the woman, he displaces the headship of the man and compromises the upbringing of the child. Satan hates women because she creates life from the seed. We birth the children who will have the opportunity to be born into the family of God and take authority over the enemy. Genesis 3, 5, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is literally the first prophecy of Jesus, of the Messiah, and it's the offspring of the woman and the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 through 49. His heel will be struck in his temporary death on the cross. Women are everything to God. Despite what liberal feminists who have never read or studied scripture have to say about the Bible being written by crusty white dudes who love the patriarchy. The truth is, there is no better way to destroy God's order than to get to the woman with lies like that. And Satan knows it. And so he uses it to his advantage however he can. Proverbs 12.4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Titus 2 four through five. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, 
kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. The Taylor Swift agenda, instilled by her demonic handlers early on and infiltrated ongoingly by the demonic goddess Ashtoreth that we see in the Bible, accompanied by more and more unclean spirits coming in throughout the years of her work as Matthew 12 speaks to, has always been and continues to be to romanticize heartbreak, create an idol of feelings, serve as a form of escapism in the sense that the music is a spiritual narcotic to the listener, to promote promiscuity, to rebel against God's order, to worship the God of self, and now on display in bigger and more blatant ways because they can, to practice witchcraft and openly worship demons. That's the Taylor Swift agenda. Which brings me to her three most recent albums and her current Eras Tour. Which, by the way, whenever I do auto-captions, this is just like a side side point. Um, whenever I do auto-captions and I'm discussing Taylor, the auto-caption always generates it to Eris, like H-E-I-R-E-S-S. The Eras Tour instead of Eras, E-R-A-S. And I just think that's really interesting because it got me thinking like, oh, is Eris a euphemism? She's the heiress. She's the heiress of what? Hmm. She's the heiress of what exactly? Hmm. Anyway, a few weeks ago, I posted a reel on the Eras tour that expectedly got a lot of backlash from Taylor Swift fans. What actually did surprise me, I will admit, is that a majority of the backlash that I got was actually from Christians more so than it was secularists. Uh, I mean, that alone was literal. That was that was evidence, though. It made me realize how needed this podcast is because it it was evidence of the demonic stronghold that is Taylor Swift, of the demonic influence behind Taylor Swift that is working through her music and thus working through you. If you're addicted to her. And no, for the record, I just, I got to say this. I am not calling Taylor Swift a demon. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm doing. But she is demonized. If you haven't seen that reel, I'm going to play it now and break it down a little more in depth. And it is like six minutes long. So just bear with me. Okay. Here it is. To hear this, but Taylor Swift is a witch, and she is casting spells on you through her performances, music, lyricism, and influence. Here we see Taylor in a red dress, literally diving into the initiation of her Eras tour, which is a ritual. So the red dress is representative of the Scarlet Woman, which, coined by Aleister Crowley, is the goddess of Babylon. Okay. And now she's swimming through the water. Water is huge with the occult, with the pagan community. It symbolizes rebirth, purification, initiation. And it can also be seen as a mockery of a Christian baptism where we are born again in Christ. And so here we have the Scarlet Woman, otherwise known as the goddess of abomination, swimming through the water and in the Wiccan space, 
Water is invoked for rituals and spells, especially those focused on the psychic self, emotional issues, love, fertility, and healing. So this is Taylor's initiation ritual. She's purifying herself and she's preparing the audience to receive the purification of the ritual, which is all in the occult. And now here's the famous scene, right? We all know this famous stairway to heaven ladder. She's literally climbing the stairway to heaven. This latter imagery is quite significant within the occult, especially within the Freemason community because it makes a mockery of Jacob's ladder in the Bible. Here with the occult, it is representative of reaching new planes of hidden knowledge and accessing that knowledge, which is only the universal God consciousness. It's right there before your eyes. The start of the heiress tour is literally an initiation ritual. She is literally the woman in red, the scarlet woman, the goddess of abomination, swan diving into her purification of the occult, her proverbial spiritual rebirth, her Masonic baptism. She emerges from those waters and climbs the stairway to heaven, where she now, according to the occult, has access to that hidden knowledge, has become one with the universe, or in other words, God. That you have paid thousands of dollars to go watch, worship, and to be spellcasted upon. This whole ceremony of reinitiation is particularly appropriate because Taylor is now 33, which is a huge number in the occult, specifically in the masonry realm. The 33rd degree of Freemasonry is the most honorable notary of the Masonic temple. And the literal Masonic seal of the New World Order was added to the $1 bill, guess when? 1933. And here it is. That literally means New World Order. And again, this is represented by 33. Taylor is now 33. So the timing of all of this, Taylor being 33, the ritual performance that is the entirety of the era's tour is a part of a larger Masonic scheme to initiate you in the New World Order and out of God's order. By the way, doesn't this imagery sort of remind you of the ladder that we just saw Taylor climb? Hmm. Speaking of numbers, let's talk quickly about the number 13 that she has been writing on her hand before every performance since the beginning of her career. 13 in Gematria, which is the numerological language of the Kabbalah, aka a pantheistic occult following, is the number of oneness, unity of creation, or symbolic of blood, fertility, lunar potency, and the number of the great goddess. Remember the Scarlet Woman? And on that note, as a Taylor Swift fan, have you ever had issues with your menstrual cycle or fertility? Maybe your sex drive? Maybe you're hypersexual? That's because she's channeling goddess deities through her songs, through her lyrics, and through her performances, which are thus being cast onto you. I mean, this just speaks for itself. If you don't see this as a ritual, I do not know what to tell you. If you are going to this heiress tour, you are participating in a Masonic occult ritual. There's a reason why Taylor Swift fans make an idol of their heartbreak, an idol of the divine feminine archetype, and an idol of her. Because that's what happens when you're under a spell. And praise the Lord Jesus Christ that he broke me free of that bondage that Taylor Swift's sorcery put me in. This is demonic. And if you won't take my word for it, take Taylor's. Yes! Summon the demon's bitch! Yes!
clearly not denying that she's summoning demons, and in fact saying, this is the new chant for the Eris tour, summon those demons. Taylor Swift is a Masonic puppet of the occult working for the enemy. And just like anything or anyone else that the Masonic, Kabbalic, higher up elitist occult allows to have so much influence, power, and money, it's ultimately because it feeds into your destruction. When someone tells you who they are, believe them. Here her concert is literally described as a conjuring and she is described as superhuman. The influence that she has is not normal. It is supernatural. It is demonic. If you think this is a reach, if you think this is a joke, then the spells are working. It's time to wake up. It's time to smash the occult. It's time to smash the witchcraft. I urge you, do not go to this tour. Do not listen to her music anymore. Do not worship her. Allow Jesus to free you. The reason why Taylor Swift fans seem so enchanted by her is because they are. By the father of lies, Satan. Get out now. Jesus loves you. So I will say now um, that there's one thing I got wrong from the reel. Apparently, her in the red dress that I talked about wasn't actually the opening of the tour. So my bad on that. However, the timing of the ritual, <laughs> which it was, doesn't change the meaning whatsoever. So it's kind of a moot point, but I always want to acknowledge when I make a mistake. So to that point, apparently, um, she also hasn't been wearing a red dress specifically every night when she does this whole ritual baptism thing and climb the um, proverbial stairway to heaven. Um, there's videos I've since seen of this reel since I posted it, of her diving under the stage in a green dress. So people have been commenting too, actually she wears green as if it's some sort of like gotcha moment proving that I'm wrong. If anything though, her shape-shifting costumes fall right into everything discussed so far in the series, right? The MK Ultra and the persona shape-shifting and the presence of multiple goddesses or demons, um, the multiple goddess deities that are present within Taylor Swift, right? I mean, y'all heard of the green witch, right? Like, you know, that's a thing, right? Um, a green witch, just if you don't know, within the pagan realm is someone who supposedly works with the elements of nature to bring up healing energy from the earth. The color green, like red, also symbolizes fertility and sex. So I may have been a touch off in my first impression of the performance. I apologize for that. Um, as far as the details go, but as it turns out, <laughs> expanding on the details actually serves as further evidence, I'm using air quote, evidence, if you will, um, of the case in point that Taylor is a witch and Christians truly have no business listening to her music or attending her concerts. So, um, yeah, what you, uh... Before moving on, for the record, here is a clip, an opening clip of the Eras tour. Um, if you're watching, so you can see she's rising up on a black cube. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be honest here. Her, her rising on a black cube isn't much better than the proverbial satanic occultist baptism that I talked about in the reel. If you Google search, all right. If you Google search the black cube of Saturn, this warning right here comes up from Google. 
I'm showing it on the screen if you're listening. This warning comes up from Google to let you know that the information isn't reliable. That should be everybody's green light that the information is, in fact, reliable. Just like with all the uh, jabby jab information warnings over the past few years, right? Yeah. Uh, not to spend too much time here, but for those who don't know, I just I want to explain. The black cube of Saturn obviously represents Saturn. Um, so Saturn worship is commonly known within the pagan community as as the planet became known to represent Satan himself. Saturn, Satan, right? A truly prolific number in the study of Satanism and religion, and it, this is commonly known, known knowledge that it's it's number 666 is termed in the book of Revelation. Um, so can, this is conjoined to form the number of the beast. It's also known as just like the devil's number in, in general. The number six springs up just too many times to be a coincidence with the correlation of Saturn. Saturn is the sixth planet in the solar system. Saturn forms the name Saturday, which is the sixth day of the week. Saturn's north pole is sixth-sided. And Saturn has six most well-defined rings. Seventh one is like very faint. They didn't discover that till later. But apart from the connections between Saturn and six, these similarities between Saturn and Satan are plenty too, because in ancient Babylon, the people of Babylon who were pioneering technological geniuses of their time, as we know from the Tower of Babel, they constructed a very tall hexagonal tower that had a cube at the very top. And look, again, this isn't, this isn't some like crazy conspiracy. These black cubes are everywhere. I'm going to put pictures on the screen from Manhattan to Mecca to Sydney. Enormous black cubes in modern mega cities. There's even one, look here, in the meditation room of the United Nations. And think back to when the Black Lives Matter stuff popped off again in June 2020 when they had everyone post a black square on Instagram. Hmm. Things have really continued to get more and more satanic since then, yeah? Hmm. 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 Yeah, I'll say. But I mean, just like everything else, I'm sure it's just a coincidence and none of this is intentional, right? But long story short, yeah, rising on the black cube as the initiation performance of her Eras tour isn't much better than the water scene that I originally thought is the was the opening. In fact, it's it's worse. <laughs> it's worse. And it's way less arbitrary than my original analysis. Um, now, a few things that probably stood out in that reel was the talk of Freemasonry. And I'm just, I might disappoint you in saying this, but I'm not going to get that deep into it right now because there's already so much information being shared and there's so many layers. There's layers of Freemasonry similar to the Black Cube that I'd love to expand on, but I just, we just simply do not have the time or capacity to do so within this series. Um... And I know you're all going to ask, so yes, I have already started compiling names and resources of people who were involved in the Freemason community to bring onto the podcast for the future. So consider that aspect to be continued, okay? Um, but make no mistake, okay? Make no mistake. All this, the symbolism that I talk about in the real and the look what you made me do and and the monarch butterfly on her very first album cover and, and all these sorts of things, the numerology, the colors, the symbolism, 
It's all crucial elements to the Masons, the pagans and the occult overall. And that's, that's verifiable info. I know people who have family or had family in Freemasonry that have these books that have the symbols and the coding and, and meanings. Like this isn't conspiracy. This is real. And we saw that plainly evident with the talk of the look what you made me do video. And so it's not something to downplay or bypass or water down as conspiracy or a reach. It is none of that. We already know that Satan is a master manipulator. We know that he cannot create. He can only corrupt. He copies what God does because he's a loser. Okay. And guess what? God uses symbolism in the Bible. Jesus uses symbolism. The Gospels record that Jesus used symbolic language in talking about himself and his relationship to others. Let's give some examples. Jesus is the living water, the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, and the door, the vine, right? The Gospel also records that Jesus used symbolism when he spoke in his parables. And so it's a logical, biblically consistent conclusion to thereby acknowledge that Satan Two, uses symbolism as means of communication and messaging. Be wise as a serpent, beloved. They are counting on your ignorance. And what I am counting on is your continued prayers and ongoing support for Heaven and Healing podcast. I could not do this without your continued prayers. I could not do this without those of you that just have that that giving heart who feel led to sow into the ministry. It really blesses me so much when you do choose to partner with Heaven and Healing Ministry financially. Um, And if you do feel that the Lord is kind of pressing on your heart to tithe to this ministry, you can do so at donorbox.org slash heaven dash healing dash podcast dash ministry or you can Venmo me directly at Angela Marie Ucci, although I definitely would prefer um, the donor box org um, route instead. It really, I, I mean, I, I cannot thank you enough for partnering financially. It's, it's, it's really an incredible blessing for the work that I am able to do, you know, sometimes I'm able to take a day off work to do to make extra content. And so stuff like that is just really, really a blessing to the ministry. And it's a blessing to me and the man that is about to be my husband. We're getting married April 25th, 2023. And so you're blessing both of us because he's going to be doing a lot more work behind the scenes with the ministry as well. And so it just... We really appreciate when you can sow into this work that's being that's being put forth for the kingdom of God. Um, so yeah, I'm counting on you, just like they are counting on your ignorance. And speaking of ignorance, I want to get back to the Willow part of her performance during the Eras tour, specifically that I do talk about in this reel, where you can hear someone in the crowd chanting, "Yes, be summon the demons." And Taylor's comment on TikTok in response to that with the laughing emojis and adding, can this be the new tour chant? Like, come on. And since then, look, there have been, it's disturbing. There have been many videos that have come out from different nights on the Eras tour during this particular ritual performance of Willow. 
And guys, just from scrolling for 15 minutes, I cannot begin to tell you how many captions are like, yes, girl, summon the demons. And I was ready for the demons. Demons, yes. Like, it's gross. And it's not only from the captions, but people in the crowd are literally yelling for her to summon the demons. Let me play you this clip. I mean, if you watch that with me, you can see, <laughs> you can see how evil she looks. And it's not even from the Willow performance alone. Like the entire performance, even when she's dressed in shimmery, bright, pretty clothes, the way she moves, the way she walks, her facial expressions, it's all demonic, all very asterisk, if you ask me seducing, enchanting, leading the hearts away to worship the deities, the demons, to turn the heart from the Lord. And what's crazy is how people want to deny that she's a witch even after her performing as a witch. And while while witchcraft isn't always what we think it is, meaning literally anything that is a rebellion to God is the same of witchcraft, and we wouldn't necessarily process that unless we know the scripture. But in this case, it is overt. Like, it's plainly obvious that it's witchcraft, right? And people still deny it. Well, it's just a show, people will say. Because as the saying goes, ignorance is bliss, I guess. Um, but here's what the Bible says about ignorance to that point. Ephesians 4.18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Next, Hosea 4.6, many are, many, my, <laughs> my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. So God literally rejects those that reject knowledge and he forgets those who forget him. Come on, beloved. This isn't hard to see. And look, you can take Taylor's word for it. Here's a tweet where she says, it's me. I'm witches. And here she is in an interview describing the songwriting process of Willow, where she explains that it is essentially witchcraft. Here's that clip now. I, I, I say witchy, and I stand by that. It felt like somebody standing over a potion, making a love potion, dreaming up the person that they want and the person they desire and trying to figure out how to get that person in their life. And all the kind of misdirection and bait and switch and comp like complexity that goes into seeing someone, feeling a connection, wanting them, and trying to make them a part of your life. It's, um, it, it, it's tactical at times. It's confusing at times. Um, totally. It's up to fate. It's magical. It's called manifestation. It's That's how human yes. beings actually make sense yes. of it. It's we're manifesting, but it's something else. It's something else. Yeah. It's a whole combination of all of it. I mean, we can only pull the wool over our eyes for so long, guys. 
give this girl up if you're still indulging in her music. Okay. I, uh, I want to start to kind of wrap up here. Let's close it out with a discussion on Taylor's most recent album, Midnight's. I already went over lyrics from Lavender Haze and Midnight Rain, but there are a few more I would like to cover. There's a song called Would've, Could've, Should've, where she sings, All I used to do was pray. Would've, could've, should've if you never looked my way. I would've stayed on my knees and I damn sure never would've danced with the devil at 19. And the God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven. She goes on with, if you never touched me, I would have gone along with the righteous and sings, you're a crisis of my faith. So she sings the same chorus about how she never would have danced with the devil and then says, and now, uh, and now that I know, I wish you'd left me wondering. God, rest my soul. I miss who I used to be. The tomb won't close. Stained glass windows in my mind. I regret you all the time. I can't let this go. I fight with you in my sleep. The wound won't close. I keep on waiting for a sign. I regret you all the time. So to me, these lyrics feel a lot like Look What You Made Me Do in so much that while it seems on the surface that she's talking about a foe from her past or an ex-lover or something, with ears to hear, what it really sounds like is that she's talking about her handlers and the demons she's let into her life, especially with the religious imagery that is just constantly used in her songs, right? Pain being heaven, like in False God and Cruel Summer we talked about before, and the comparison to Jesus with the tomb won't close reference. This whole song is literally saying that if she didn't dance with the devil, she would have gone along with the righteous. And she actually asks God to rest her soul as if she knows her soul is doomed. This can all definitely allude, yes, to her Christian upbringing that she completely abandoned when she got into the music scene and became a victim of MK Ultra, which led to the infiltration of demon of the demonization that influences her in the advancement of a satanic agenda at the hand of the principalities of darkness. And it's really sad, actually. It really is. And it's like we get these glimpses of regret from her in songs like this but then we see things like we do on stage during the willow performance or when she's singing vigilante shit i'm sorry to cuss but that's the name of the song when she's singing that on stage and acting like a stripper which i'm gonna put right here um where she like becomes totally drunk with the sexual demonic power and lets it completely take over which comes back to that verse drinking from the cup of demons Literally, this reminds me, as I speak, of my time in New Age, where there would be moments of deep grief, like in her song, Would Have, Could Have, Should Have, where I would, you know, I would experience this knowing that something was wrong or something was off, um, where I just knew I was, I was there, I was on the wrong path. I just couldn't put my finger on it. But then those other moments where I, where I too was drunk with the supernatural power of darkness and, and that's ultimately what kept me in it. When I say these things like spiritual narcotic, that's what I mean. You know, an alcoholic forms an addiction to alcohol because of the drunkenness. New Agers, people like Taylor Swift, they form an addiction to the spiritual narcotic of these things because of the drunkenness from drinking of the cup of demons. 
And so that old saying, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. That just, that just rang over and over in my head as I compiled the information for this series. When someone tells you who they are, believe them. Believe Taylor Swift. Because she's telling us, she is showing us who she is. Speaking of, there's also a song called Mastermind, which can relate back to the interview clip I shared of Willow where she's describing making someone love you as an act of witchcraft. The song opens with, Once upon a time, the planets and the fates and all the stars aligned. We love the astrology reference, right? By the way, it's confirmed that Taylor Swift subscribes to astrology. Listen. I'm a Sagittarius and... So there's that. Uh, the song goes on with, What if I told you... None of it was accidental, and the first night that you saw me, nothing was going to stop me. I laid the groundwork, and then just like the clockwork, the dominoes cascaded in a line. What if I told you I'm a mastermind, and now you're mine? It was all by design, because I'm a mastermind. <laughs> she even says in the song, this is the first time I've felt the need to confess. And it's like all these years, decades later, the song just totally lays it out for us, right? The truth that she's the master manipulator. And now we know that first Timothy, it reads, now the spirit expressively says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons which speaks to the crisis in her faith and would have, could have, should have, right? Her music certainly classifies as teachings of demons. And Taylor herself mentioned in that previous song that dancing with the devil was a crisis of her faith. And now this song, Mastermind, she is admitting herself to being a deceitful spirit. And women, like I was, like you may have been, or perhaps currently are, fall victim to these demons, we're going to actually close out the episode by praying against that. We're almost there, I promise. Thank you for sticking with me through this. There's just a few more songs worth mentioning before we get there. There's the song Vigilante Shit where she yet again sings about revenge and unforgiveness, an ongoing theme in her music from the beginning of her, literally the beginning of her career. Like, think you belong with me. Sing about stealing someone's man. Like, ongoing theme in her music. And then there's High Infidelity, where she romanticizes having an affair. Another ongoing theme in her music. How nice. And then the song Karma. Really want to talk about this one. The lyrics of Karma are, because Karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a god. Karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend. Karma's a relaxing thought. Do I even really need to explain this one away? <laughs> We all know that karma is a false demonic doctrine, and so she's essentially admitting here that she, the devil is her boyfriend um, as she mocks the true living almighty God with her blasphemous song, of course. But Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So there's the, there, that's, you want to say karma? No, no, no. Karma is not real. What is real is Galatians 6, 7. What one reaps, he will sow. And that is made in the context of mocking the Lord. So look, as it stands, and it's heartbreaking, as it stands, Taylor is on her way to eternal torment. And we must pray for her soul to be redeemed. Just like we did at the end of part one of the last 
of the last episode of this. And like I said in part one, if you actually love her like you claim to, the best thing you can do other than pray from her is of is is to starve her fame by no longer listening to her music. By starving her fame, you starve the demons at, at work in her. By starving her fame, you starve the demons at work in her. By starving her fame, you starve the rebellion, aka the witchcraft, at work in her. And by starving her fame, you starve the rebellion, the witchcraft, at work in you. That entered in by forming a legal covenant to these spirits through the adoration and indulgence and singing along, speaking these things over yourself in her music. The more you indulge in her music, the more of her music you need. It is, it is a spiritual narcotic drinking from the cup of demons, becoming intoxicated with the principalities of darkness, no different than the new age. And the demons are prescribing the anecdote. It's a spiritual narcotic and the demons are prescribing the anecdote. Because if you really listen to and follow where her music is leading and encouraging you, it creates more experiences in your life where that need for refuge in her music only ever increases. That's what demons do. This is what Satan does. He doesn't just hand you a chain and say, okay, here, I'm going to put you in bondage. Is that okay? No, he hands you a link. He hands you a pretty little link like Taylor's first album and then hands you another little link like her second album and just keeps handing you these links and says, okay, go ahead and make your own chain. Make your own chain. He doesn't just hand you a chain and says, I'm going to put you in bondage. He gives you the links and over time you create, you create the chain by continuing to consent to the bondage. Every Taylor Swift album from day one that you have listened to, every lyric you have sang along with over the years, every fantasy you had or perhaps acted on while listening to the lyrics, every worship of praise you sang over Taylor, link after link, forming this demonic bondage where you have become enslaved to the principalities of darkness from these ancient biblical deities from these unclean spirits that always return with seven more worse, as Matthew 12 says. And no different from Ashtoreth seducing Israel away from God, Taylor Swift, Miss Americana, is seducing America and the global culture really away from God. Remember, according to Ephesians 2, we have three enemies, the flesh, the world, and Satan. Beloved, crucify the flesh, be wise as a serpent to the grim realities, like MKUltra, of the secular world, and understand that you are under attack in the spiritual war Ephesians 6 talks about. And guess what? Secular music and Taylor Swift are weapons formed against you. It's time to put on the full armor of God. It's time to break the strongholds. It's time to ditch lukewarm Christianity. 
2 Corinthians 10 verses 5 through 7. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Galatians 6 verses 8 through 9. One more. Second John 1 verses 9 through 11. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works literally says it right there guys we give them permission i don't know how people don't believe in this stuff and i pray for the conviction of you listening to walk in the spirit and thus walk in obedience to the lord to what his word says that you not take this experience and leave it, that you take this experience, that you take all the information from these podcast episodes and that you apply it to your life, that you delete Taylor Swift's music from your phone, that you stop listening to her, that you unfollow her, that you stop watching the reels, that you stop watching the performances, that you give her up and that you tell other people around you about the realities of the spiritual realm. I just pray that anointing over you now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that emboldened courage over you in the name of Jesus, that the word talks about how we are to go out and and make disciples of the nations and share our testimony, bear witness. Just like... Jesus told John to go out and tell the people what he saw. I I pray that over you, that you will go tell the people that you were delivered because of Jesus Christ. I pray once again, just protection over the minds, over the ears, over the hearts of everyone listening. I pray the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that can only come from our Father in heaven, God Almighty. I pray that peace over you in the name of Jesus. I just pray that you would feel that peace, that you would experience that peace, that you would just feel the Holy Spirit like you never have before. That you would love how supernatural and big and infinite our Lord is. That you would just smile at that. That you would feel the joy of the Lord. That you would laugh. That you would that you would cry tears of joy, of freedom. Because Jesus came to set the captives free. I pray that peace, that joy, and that satisfaction in him over you now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.